what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the jt sports podcast man joined by a special guest on today's episode got my die dorian hopkins what's going on man What's up? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate being on here. Finally get to get on the channel and talk some football with you instead of being in the chats and stuff like that. So it's good to be here tonight, man. You guys make sure to check out the D Hopkins show. You can catch him on Twitch on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We're going to have the link to all of his social media platforms and the link to his Twitch channel. So you guys can go ahead and follow him. Listen to the JT Sports Podcast. We're available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Rate us five stars, man. We're trying to get to 105 star reviews before the season begins. We got a long way to go on Spotify, but we got 75 star reviews on Apple right now. So go ahead, rate us five stars if you enjoy the content, you want to support the channel, man. And shout out to my guy, Dorian coming on, man. Glad to have you on. And you're a Vols fan, and we got to talk about Tennessee. So you know the crazy okay. season that y'all had last year when y'all upset Alabama. Y'all went on the road to Death Valley, clobbered LSU, you clobbered Kentucky, and then you had a really ugly ending. I mean, South Carolina snatched your soul. Not only did they end Hinton Hooker's Heisman dreams, but they pretty much kept them from getting drafted in the first round. And then, you know, you had another loss after that one. It just kind of was, you know, rough patch after rough patch. But then, you know, you got a really good win against Clemson, right? And we got mm -hmm. to saw Joe Milton when he was playing at his best. And when we look at Tennessee going into this year, man, what's the ceiling for the Vols this season? If everything goes right, how far do you think Tennessee will go this year? Do they win the SEC East, take down Georgia, make it to the SEC championship game, and win the SEC potentially against Alabama, LSU, or whoever else? Or do you think that's a little bit too high for Tennessee? You think they're not ready yet to be able to take down Georgia? Well, we first of all, I would like to say we lost a lot of players um, during the draft, like Jalen Hylett, Chris Tillman, the wide receivers there. We lost a few defensive players, a few offensive players as well. But one thing Tennessee knows how to do is rebuild. And um, re, re, I, the right word is retool. I could say that much for Tennessee. Um, I really think that we can actually beat Georgia. But the thing about it is, is we have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined to beat Georgia. LSU is 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 kind of on that rise, but kind of on that slope as well. They're like on a slippery slope of what they want to do. But I think Joe Milton is definitely going to take his game to the next level. I mean, he had 971 yards and 10 passing touchdowns with a 65 completion percentage. I think he takes that up a bit higher. Then you got Jalen Wright coming back as a running back. That guy had 875 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns himself. And I think we have one of the best offensive juggernauts, one of the off best offenses in college football in itself. It's high pace. It gets the defense tired. And, you know, having Jalen Wright and Jabari Small, having them come back. And, we, you know, we got some up-and-coming receivers like uh, like White. White is another one. Jackson Lampy, a good offensive lineman that we have coming back. So we have some good, good uh, D 
defense and offensive players coming back. But um, I really want us to be on that consistent basis of beating Alabama because we haven't beaten Alabama in like 10 years into that time. So <laughs> I really want us to be on a consistent basis of beating Alabama. And the SEC is going to be very tough. It's the, one, it's the best conference in college football. And, you know, you got new teams coming in in 2024. So I think Tennessee could bounce back. If Joe Milton can stay healthy and everybody can stay healthy and our offense can be just as potent as it was last season, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be good. I say we could probably we could probably probably won't win the division depending on how teams go because you know teams could be good all the way through and then you get that one game like like we did in South Carolina. Boom, we we fell flat. Hooker was already struggling before he got hurt. You never you just never know. But um, I can see us probably being a little bit outside of the playoff, like between about five or six. Um, if we can be, if we can remain undefeated, then we could be in the top four. So I got like, you know, my realistic and my unrealistic. So um, I'm really excited for Tennessee's season this year. I really am. How do you feel about the defense? Now, I feel like the defense gets a little bit of undeserved criticism at times because this defense has some really good performances, shutting down LSU on the road, Kentucky, you know, and with how fast your offense is, I don't ever think that Tennessee is going to have elite defense statistically. And I think that Tennessee fans got to understand that. I think you guys kind of already understand that. But non-Vols fans always seem to criticize the defense. But it's like when your defense is on the field for, you know, so many plays with how fast tempo the offense is, of course, you're not really going to have a great defense unless you just have a lot of depth. But do you think this defense can make some improvements this year? Yeah, I think I think you can make some improvements. I mean, it's it's go, it's going to take some time for you know everybody have that continuity. Like you got to understand, you know, you got a new draft, you got a new recruiting class coming in, and then you got the veteran guys that's going to be juniors looking to try to get into the draft and try to get their draft stock up. So there's a lot of stuff that that goes into play. Um, we did lose Matthew Butler a couple years ago as far as the defensive line go, and we we, we recoiled in that and. We was we was okay last year. We wasn't that bad, but we were we were bad, but we wasn't that bad. We were like one of the worst in the league. But I understand that um the offense is gonna be very fast, it's gonna be very quick. So as a defense, you're gonna to have to get get ready. You there's no city down, you get your order, you stand up, you get ready, you make your a little bit of adjustments within those five or ten seconds, or whatever, whatever, how many times you see on the on our offense when it comes to time of possession, and get right back out there. So when it comes to these explosive offenses in the SEC, we have to keep up. That's simple as that. We we have to keep up with these explosive offenses because you're going to see a lot of no hugs. They're going to try to like uh, justify, not really justify, but try to duplicate what Tennessee does against our own defense. So at the end of the day, I think the defense can improve. Do I feel like we're going to be a top 10 defense? No, but can we be between the middle of the pack? I think we can, especially in the SEC. Now, you guys got a pretty tough schedule. It's not really easy. Yeah. You play Virginia week one, which you should be able to win that game. They're one of the worst Power 5 mm -hmm. schools in college football going into this year, Austin P. And then your schedule gets tough after your first two games. On the road against Florida in the Swamp. Then you got to play UTSA, which is a really really good yeah. g5 school and they have a really good offense themselves and a really good quarterback also so it's like 
you know, how do you feel you're going to do having to play, you know, UTSA at home, then you got South Carolina at home, and then after the bye, I mean, you just faced an onslaught. Your next three games after the bye, Texas A&M, which I don't know how you're feeling about Texas A&M, but I think they're being slept on, and I'm really close to picking them to win the SEC West. And then back-to-back games on the road, Bama, Kentucky. How you feel you guys are going to be able to handle this schedule? Um, just play our game. Just stay to stay true to ourselves when it comes to this. Now, I think Virginia and Austin P they could be the the two teams that I know we're going to be two and zero going into it. But we did beat Florida last year, so uh, we know what Florida is capable of, and we beat them with a Josh with a uh, Anthony Richardson being there uh, last season. So I'm I'm looking forward to that Florida game because I know they're going to want their rematch after we beat them last season. UTSA is one of those games that I'm really looking forward to in this season because they're they're a very underrated team that doesn't get a lot of exposure they get an exposure but they don't get a lot of credit from the national look um south carolina i really want my look back with south carolina texas a&m that's the game do i I, texas a&m alabama south carolina is the three games i have circled on this schedule uh because alabama's going to want they look back from us texas a&m i think that's going to be a great game I don't see that. I can see that being a high scoring game, just like the Alabama game. South Carolina, I really want us to dominate South Carolina. I know they're a good football team. I know they are. They got a new coach. They got a new coach's staff. They got some players out of the transfer portal. But I, li- I like South Carolina, but I really want my lick back from them. Um, Kentucky is definitely going to be a tough team that nobody's really talking about. I know uh, Will Levis went to the, uh, the draft and he got drafted to Tennessee. But I, 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 to the Kentucky's going what they look back at to be put a stomping on them last season too, so it's gonna be very interesting to watch. And I'm looking forward to this schedule. I, I like a a schedule that challenge Tennessee. And you know, after you know we play Kentucky's, you know, UConn, Missouri, Georgia, and then Vandy. It's gonna be very it's gonna be very interesting to see what this schedule looks like. But um, we're not gonna win all these games. I can tell you that right now. We're not gonna win all these games. I don't know which game we're gonna lose because it's gonna be one of those games that's gonna be a trap game. I just feel it. One of these games will be a trap game, and I don't know which one is gonna be, but um, I can see us, you know, if about one I'm gonna say one loss. One loss. You know, I really feel like people are sleeping on Kentucky. They got Devin Leary, who's a pretty good quarterback. But if you guys can, mm-hmm. you know, beat South Carolina, beat Texas and um you lose to Alabama, but you handle business against Kentucky, and then you lose to Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's two losses. I probably feel like that's pretty realistic. I probably would have that as a ceiling for you guys, 10 and 2. I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, if you guys can go 11 and 1. I think the schedule is just so tough with all the good teams that you have to play on the road. But I do think that, you know, if I had to go with my best case scenario for you guys this season, I, I could see you guys winning 10 games again having a similar season to what yeah. you did last year. And if Joe Milton just plays out of this world, like he definitely is capable of with that crazy-ass arm, I mean, I don't see no reason why you guys yeah. can't be up there with Georgia being able to contend for the SEC East. But Alabama, there's a narrative around Nick Saban that this program kind of is on a downwards trajectory. They haven't been in a national championship game and you know, not too long it's only been a couple of years but it seems like everybody kind of is going into 2023 riding off alabama how you feeling about the tie going into 2023 
I don't know why people are riding off the Alabama Christmas time for number one. I don't know why you're riding them off. They are the the reason why every team plays the way they play right now is is physical football. Nick Saban is a great coach. He always he always retools. He always recruits very well. Always get the top ten, top five, top three, top players in the in a, coming out of high school. It he, he knows how to coach them. So just because you didn't make it to the national championship a couple of times doesn't mean it's not a accomplishment. I mean, you get to the playoff or you don't get to the playoff, but they they are a predominant school in the SEC that everybody in the SEC wants to be. And that's Alabama. Even though Georgia won the championship back-to-back times, Alabama is still the team to be in the SEC. And let's not forget what they have done in the last 10 years. We're not going to just erase what they did in the last 10 years because Georgia won it twice. Like, come on, we just not, we just not going to do that. It's unrealistic. Um, coming come into this now, season, though. they're going to do what they come do best, on, and that, they're going to run the football. They're going to manage their quarterback, and they're going to have good receivers. Like they always have good receivers every year coming in. Defense is always stacked. You always have good linebackers and good defensive tackles coming out of Alabama, and it's going to be tough for teams to beat, especially if you're out of the conference. If you're playing out of conference against Alabama. Expect domination because you're out of conference. They they win almost every game out of conference, damn near. And they got a big game against Texas. Now you remember how Texas nearly beat them last year. They got kind of saved by Bryce Young, and Bryce Young has carried Bam on his back for the past couple of years that he's been a starter there. And you know nobody really expected them to upset Georgia. Going into his first year starting for them when he won the Heisman. You remember what the narrative was. Oh, Alabama's falling off. They had just came off a multiple Mm -hmm. overtime period win in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. And going into the SEC championship that week or the SEC championship game that week, there was people who kind of thought that there was a strong chance that Georgia was going to run those boys over with how great that defense was. They had a legendary defense. But... Alabama ended up having Mm -hmm. their best game of the season. Their offensive line showed up, and they were able to beat Cincinnati in the opening round of the college football playoffs. And, you know, they got trashed by Georgia the second time they played them. But, you know, I don't think, you know, not making it to the college football playoffs and, you know, one year just erases everything that Nick Saban and Alabama have done over the last couple of years in college football. They've been the most dominant program in college football, in my opinion. And even though Georgia's coming up, I do feel like Georgia and Alabama still are a little bit neck and neck. You know, I think that Alabama definitely is going to be right back up there with Georgia this year. And I feel like anytime you count out Nick Saban, that's when he ends up getting the most out of his team. And he made some changes to his offense and his defense, you know, over the last couple of years. As you mentioned earlier, Alabama has always had the great receivers. They always wanted to spread you out. But now they're going back to that old school Bama football where they want to put more emphasis on running the football or being more dominant up front. And their offensive line should be pretty good. Their offensive line has been their Achilles heel for the last couple of years. But many Bamba fans and many people on that coaching staff feel like they got that offensive line ready to play in. Like you said, that defense is normally pretty good. You're going to have a new defensive coordinator in there and Kevin Still. You got him from Miami. And you got some really good players on defense. You got Kool-Aid McKinstry. You also have Dallas Turner, who is like a damn cyborg. It's like, this dude is shredded, man. And... In terms of where they 
rack up in the or rank in the SEC West, do you pick them as the team to win this division and make it to the SEC championship? Or do you think that Brian Kelly and LSU is their time? They're the new top dogs in the West. Well, it got to be on a consistent basis for LSU to to beat Alabama. So for me, I think I, knowing that they lost to um, they lost to LSU last season, um, Alabama. Just to throw it out there, Alabama did lose their offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien uh, from last year as well, um, he, which he's the new New England Patriots offensive coordinator now. So we got to see what that office, um, what that office is going to look like for Alabama this upcoming season, but. I still think I still think that Alabama can take the division. Um, the question is, can LSU do it again? That's that's more of the question because we know Alabama has dominated this, this division for so long. Just because you beat them one time, it doesn't mean that they haven't dominated the division. Um, I like LSU and I like what they have done and I like what they did when they beat Alabama because it make me happy when Alabama gets beat because I'm an SEC guy. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think everybody wants Alabama to be beat, but um, we got to give respect to Alabama as well because what they have done to make this conference dominant and what it, it, it gave everybody else, like, listen, we got to be up there with these guys. We got to be up there with Alabama. If we got to beat them, we have to, we have to get the players to beat them. I mean, so... I think they can win the West. I think they can. Absolutely. I think Alabama is going to bounce back from last season. And I think they're going to go back to what they know. And that's being dominant up front. Coach Prime is going into year one with Colorado, man. They got an over-under win total of three and a half. They're like a 19-point underdog against TCU. And it's just like, I can't see Dion winning only three games. Like, I can see Colorado realistically winning six games this year am i tripping oh man now i don't know colorado's full schedule but um dion is one of those guys that he's always underestimated when it comes to him when he coached at jackson state they didn't they didn't know what type of success that he was going to get they, they didn't know what type of success he was going to get at, at Jackson State. So looking at, okay, so looking at their schedule right now, which they have TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, um, USC, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. So looking at, looking at that schedule. And having them only win six games, I don't know about that. I think they could be error. I think they could be. I don't know. See, TCU is going to be a tough one for me to pick, but I got a feeling they could upset TCU. They could beat Nebraska. They could beat Colorado State. Now, Oregon is going to be a tough one because Bo Nix is going to be. He's going to be good. He's going to be all right. He's going to be good for Oregon. That's going to be a tough one. I think that's where they get their first loss at. They get their first loss against Oregon. They get their second loss against USC. Caleb Williams is going to have a good game. I think this this might be the game of the year right here. This might be the game of the year right here. Because I, I could really see, you know, um, I think it's Deion Sanders' son that's the Shadur. quarterback for Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, Shadur. Yes, him and Caleb Williams is going to have – a show with this game. I'm telling you that. But I still have USC USC winning this game. Um, I could think they could beat Arizona State. 
Stanford might be one of those games where one of those trap games for Colorado, but I still think Colorado pulls it out. Um, UCLA, uh, I, I I don't know about UCLA. Um, they lost a lot of players through the draft and a lot of, through the transfer portal as well. Oregon State, I think they could be. I think they could be Arizona, and they they might lose to Utah because Utah is one of those underrated teams that don't get talked about a lot. And when they do get talked about, um, now they want now they want to put Utah on a on a bigger stature. This team always been good on a consistent basis every year for Utah, but I can only see them losing three games. I can only see really Colorado losing three games on this schedule. So I don't know about people saying they can only win three games. I don't know where you see that at, but the, the way they schedule looks, they could win more than absolutely more than three games. Yeah, I guess. A lot of the skepticism comes from the fact that, you know, you had to overhaul this roster through the transfer portal. You know, you're going to be bringing in a lot of different guys on the offensive line who do have experience. I do think they got pretty good size. That seems to be a misconception that people got about Colorado that they're smaller up front. Like, their smallest offensive lineman, I believe, is only like 275, and I don't even think he's going to start this year. So it's like, I think that Colorado... The fact that they only won one game last season and, you know, you bring in Coach Prime, you already know he's a polarizing figure. You either love Dion or you hate him. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of hate towards him. But I'm looking at Colorado this season. I think they potentially could win seven, eight games this year. Now, as you said, I don't know if they'll beat a USC, if they can beat Utah because Utah is a really physical team. And even though they're playing mm -hmm. USC at home, it's just, is their defense going to be good enough? And even Oregon. But the reason why I think Colorado can exceed expectations this year is, for one, you know, these players are going to be highly motivated. Dion had to come in and he had to change the culture. He mm -hmm. had to get rid of the guys who didn't really fit his mentality. You know, Dion wants dogs. He wants somebody who's going to be first one in, last guy out. He wants you to show to he wants you to show up to the meetings 15 minutes early. You feel me? He wants you to handle yourself like you're a professional. And I think that that's going to translate to a lot of success on the field. And I also think that Shadur Sanders, you know, I think there's a misconception about him. You know, as people are actually thinking that Shadur Sanders is going to struggle in the Pac-12 against those defenses like the Pac-12 doesn't play a lot of great defense. That's what I was just about to say. Like they don't, they Pac-12 is like one of the worst conferences when it comes to defense. Like, what? How he's going to struggle with the Pac-12? Like that, that, that. See, that's media forcing the narrative. I, I, like I said earlier, I, I get. Well, it's not more so the media. I think it's more so like the people who just are detractors of Dion, who just want to see Dion fail. It's like, how does a guy go from dominating an FCS to struggling and? the fbs like we've seen plenty of players who have dominated in the fcs level and then they transfer to a power five school and they continue that success and the prime example i don't know if you know who this is but the washington state quarterback cameron ward he played for incarnate world I heard last of year and he was pretty good and washington state didn't really have that great of a supporting cast around them so i'm looking at the receivers that Colorado brought in they brought in two USF transfers I'm a really big fan of Jimmy Horn Jr. he's going to be somebody who's going to be a monster mm -hmm. for them in the return game and I think he's also electric when you get the ball in his hands and 
Alton McCaskill, their projected starting running back, his freshman year at Houston, last year he had a season-ending injury, but his freshman season before that, this man had like, what, 16 touchdowns, and he was averaging over four or five yeah, yards yeah. per carry. He He's a monster. Like, I really like him. So, I don't really see Dion not having a winning record year one. And I know some people may be like, oh, you're putting some unfair expectations on him, but I don't see how that's unfair. You're in a conference that doesn't really play great defense, and Deion Sanders is like, it's Deion Sanders. And I think people fail to realize that when Deion Sanders walks into a recruit's living room or he reaches out to talk to somebody mm-hmm. in the transfer portal to play for him, he doesn't have to sell somebody to play for him with money. It's Deion Sanders, bro. Like, come on. If you were a young recruit and right, it's prime. It's prime. Room, come on, this is a Hall of Famer, man. This is one of the most iconic football players ever. So it, it, it's kind of like, Facts. for me, I feel like anything less than six wins kind of is a disappointment in my eyes. Honestly, and people can say, are oh, you being unrealistic? Like, of course, if they win two games, that's growth. You feel me? I'm not going to view this as a disappointment if they win more than what they did last season. But I'm just kind of expecting this team to be way better than what people are giving them credit for. Like only three and a half wins as they're over under win total. I don't know about you, but that seems like easy money to me. That seems like free money. Yeah. Yeah. That's free money. That is free money. Because at the end of the day, Dion, they try to Dion know how to coach. He brings in a coach's step that coach these players up. And he coach them up to a point where he you're he's going to get the best out of you. If you're not going to buy into what Dion is going to do, you're out of here. And that's exactly how it is. And you know, it's it's he changed that he changed that culture so much. And I, I follow Dion on Instagram and I see what he does with these players. I see what he does. So at the end of the day. People is underestimating Dion. That's going to put more fuel into this Colorado football program. It's going to put more full fuel on him as a coach. And y'all going to be y'all going to be shocked that if they win at least eight, nine games, y'all gonna be like, what? Because of what type of person and what type of coach Dion brings to to a kid or to a college football player. I'm t- listen. That that's that's people for you that three games. I don't I don't know what they smoking. I don't know. Yeah, man, it's just to me when I hear Dion talk, like he says, I came to win. Now I don't know exactly what he means by I came to win, but I just know that means more than three games. Yeah. You feel me? Now my only concern with Colorado is I don't know how great their defensive line is gonna be. I talked to a couple of people. They feel yeah. way better about where the offensive line is compared to the defensive line. The defensive line is kind of a mystery. But another concern I kind of have is Travis Hunter playing both ways. Now, I know Adoree Jackson did the same thing, but when you play both ways, I don't think enough people understand how truly difficult that is. You're playing not just offense but defense, so you're pretty much on the field for a good majority of the plays. So are you going to have the stamina to keep that up? I don't question Travis Hunter's talent. I just question the stamina and the endurance he's going to have. And plus, with you playing both sides, you increase your risk of injury. So like, I will feel a little bit more comfortable as like, yeah, you play Travis Hunter at wide receiver. But don't have him on there for all their entire offensive snaps and then have him playing all the defensive snaps. Like, you got to 
guess that they're going to have. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen though. That's the thing. I don't think that's going to happen because it. Because Deion Sanders is a type of is a type of coach where he's not going to he's not going to let them play both sides of the ball. Especially the way the first couple of weeks of college football is going to be. It's going to be high. It's going to be hell out there, especially on the West Coast. Playing in, playing in Colorado, then you got to go travel to these hot behind weather states, and you will try to have them play both sides of the ball. I think Dion is not that stupid to have that guy play both sides of the ball. I think he's going to be in rotation on defense, but will he start on both sides? Nah, I don't see Dion doing that. Well, according to reports, it seems like he is. Now, I think they probably will. I think he'll probably get more work at corner. Then he probably will at wide receiver. He's really good as a receiver, too. It's just that I think Dion probably wants to use him more as a corner because you're already pretty deep at receiver. I don't know if you're as deep at corner as you are receiver. So it's like you don't really need Travis Hunter mm-hmm. to be involved in the offense as much as opposed to the defense. But it's like I just would prefer if he would spend a little bit more time playing one side of the ball than the other just because it's so difficult to play both sides because the stamina, you can get tired really fast, and plus you increase your chances of injury. But what's your record prediction for Colorado this year? Uh, my record prediction, I, I did say they was going to probably lose three games, but, I mean, that's just on the higher ceiling that I have them for. But realistically, I say my record prediction, they'll they'll win at least eight games. I say eight games this season just to, to make it an improvement. Um, you, I think you said seven, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to just go uh, just one game more. I think they can win eight games with their schedule because Nebraska is – I think Nebraska is an easy win. Nebraska is – I mean, I, I, I they used I to be good. I, I, I don't know what they're going to be this year. They do got Matt Rule. He's a really good coach. And they do got Jeff Sims, a quarterback who I love a lot. I don't know if you remember him from Georgia Tech, number 10. I, they could be a yeah, challenge. I remember him and Matt Rule. Yeah, it could it could be a challenge, but Matt Rule, his first season as Nebraska's coach, leaving the Carolina Panthers and the reputation that he had coming from Carolina going into Nebraska. I don't I mean, I don't know what his recruiting class looks like before it comes to Nebraska. So I mean, Matt Rule's going to have to prove it to me that this team is legit because Nebraska's been on the downfall for the last couple of years now. So can Matt Rule really come in and change that program around? And that's going to be two first-year head coaches going up against each other. What I say is going to be a dog walk? No. I think that's going to be a good game, but I think Colorado still comes out with the win. Anthony Richardson, fourth overall selection by the Indianapolis Colts. I feel like people either feel one – or the other way about Anthony Richardson. Either you love him, you think he's going to succeed, you think he's going to develop, you believe in Shane Steichen, or you think that Anthony Richardson is going to be too raw and it's not going to look good and this isn't going to work out. What side of the spectrum do you lie on? Now, before they hired Shane Steichen um, as the head coach, I was very concerned about Anthony Richardson going to the Colts in the, in the beginning. Because he's a, he is a raw talent. He's going to have to work with his mechanics a little bit more. It is, it's a learning curve. He's a rookie quarterback. I, I'm not going to have too much high expectations for Anthony Richardson coming in as an Indianapolis coach. Um, I know he could do enough, but am I saying that, oh, he's going to take them back to the playoffs, they're going to win the division? No. I think it's a st- I think it's going to be a learning curve between the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and Anthony Richardson. It's going to be a learning curve. And then now, you don't know what's going to go on with Jonathan Taylor, so – with, with one of your best backs in the league, 
and not and not having him there right now, it kind of sucks for Anthony Richardson because you could just hand the ball off to him. He could run the rock effectively and take some pressure off Anthony Richardson. Um, I think Anthony Richardson is a talent dog. Watching him in Florida, um, his mechanics is a little is a little stiff, but at the end of the day, I still feel like Anthony Richardson is a is a learning curve. And do I feel like they need to throw him into the fire, knowing that Gardner Minshew is there? I'm not sure, but at the same time, look what if you want to go back in time, look with Troy Aikman when he started his first year, he struggled, and he it, it worked on his mechanics, he worked on his style of play every single year, and that's that's how I think it's going to be for Anthony Richardson. He's athletic. If you could be, if he could, if Tyson could treat him like like he did Jalen Hurts, I think. Anthony Richardson will be what Jalen, what he could be, just like a Jalen Hurst in his own way, not exactly just like him, but in what Anthony Richardson can do, and what Jalen Hurst can do, and that's run the football, be effective with your legs. And if you could treat him like that, I think Anthony Richardson will be successful in his league. I, I didn't want as a Raider, I didn't want him. I didn't want him because I know Josh McDaniels is not really great with coaching up young quarterbacks. We know that from the Tim Tebow days back in Denver. So I didn't want Mac a young Jones, quarterback right then and there. Yeah, he had Mac Jones, but Mac Jones is struggling. You know, he's he's struggling. But that's with him gone. He struggled last year. He struggled the year before. So, I mean, eh, he struggled the year before, even though they went to the playoffs the year before he struggled this year. I mean, Mac Jones is Mac Jones. I wouldn't expect anything coming out of you know, Alabama quarterbacks. I wasn't really expecting anything because there's not really too many Alabama quarterbacks that really is good, but I do like Anthony Richardson. I think he's talented and he's going to be successful in his league. If you give him a, a good offensive line and don't treat him like Andrew Luck, he won't retire early. <laughs> Simple as that. I think Anthony Richardson will work out. And I've been a lot higher on Anthony Richardson throughout this process than most people like. As soon as Shane Stocking got hired by the Colts, I was telling people he Anthony Richardson is going to the Colts. Write it down. Then all my homeboys saying I was tripping for saying that he could start day one. But a lot of people overlook this. When you have athletic quarterback like Anthony Richardson, Lamar Jackson, his rookie season, he wasn't lighting the league on fire with his passing ability. He, although he was effective throwing the football compared to you know what people thought he would be as a rookie, his legs were the main reason why Baltimore is able to get to the playoffs his rookie season. Mm -hmm. And they were able to win games with his athleticism while they developed him as a passer in the background. Now, when I look at Anthony Richardson, I think the way his rookie season is going to go is similar to how Justin Fields played last season. Justin Fields, he wasn't that great of a thrower. I don't think he was an awful thrower because he didn't really have a great supporting cast around him. But I do think that with how Justin Fields was able to take over games with his legs and plus being able to make some pretty big throws here and there, that's what I'm expecting out of Anthony Richardson. And when you have a quarterback that's this athletic, you can win games with his athleticism, similar to what the Ravens did early yeah. on with Lamar Jackson. And I'm not expecting the Indianapolis Colts to be a playoff team. I think they'll probably win only three, four games, but... I think that a lot of those games are going to be close. And I think that they probably will lose a couple of close ones because Anthony Richardson makes some working mistakes. One thing I am expecting out of Anthony Richardson is that there's going to be a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of lows, but there's going to yeah. be a lot of highs. 
You feel me? So it's like, I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to go out there and look like a deer in headlights. I expect him to go out there, make a lot of big plays on the ground, and also have some really big throws through the air. Of course, he'll probably have a good amount of interceptions, but I already feel like the Indianapolis Colts organization knows what they're getting into this year. I feel like this year is... You know, we're going to throw Anthony Richardson out there and we're just going to roll with the punches. You feel me? Now, if we're a really good team, we're a really good mm -hmm. team, but our expectations aren't really that high. We're just trying to get Anthony Richardson to a point where next season he ends up, you know, making big strides and improvement. And this year it's going to be a lot of growing pains, but they're going to live with that. They're going to be able to swallow that and it's going to be okay because they're thinking about the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and and another thing that I want to throw out there for Anthony Richardson, and you and you did a little bit of the comparison to Justin Fields. Difference between Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields. Justin Fields didn't have an offensive line last season. Any and even though y'all y'all traded Clay's, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool wasn't really no help to him there. But now you see that they went out and got DJ Moore. You see now they went out and they had Darnell Moon. They got Cole Komet. Um, they do lose David. They lose lose David Montgomery, but now Anthony Richardson, he just has um, what is the guy's receiver name from uh, USC? What is his name? Are oh, you talking about Michael Pittman? Uh, yes, Michael Pittman. Yes, the, you got him. But who's on that opposite side? Who is that that tight end that they have that I'm really concerned about for the Indianapolis Colts? And I feel like if you want Anthony Richardson to succeed, you got to put more weapons than just Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor well, around him. I do like Josh Downs, rookie that they draft out of UNC. He's had a really good camp. And Alex Pierce, Alex Pierce, I think okay. he's a really good. I think him and Anthony Richardson. I forgot about really Alex Pierce. Darn. Yeah, I totally forgot they about. Really it. tried to throw in the football last year. They didn't have nobody who really had the arm strength to really utilize Alex Pierce's deep throw ability. That's why. Right. Okay. That's size. You yeah. saw? Did you see that play that went viral when Anthony Richardson was running outside the pocket? This was during camp. He rolled. Yeah, I see. And he just throws it deep, like I think like 50, 60 yards, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Oh. Man, the, like, the guy has the kid has an arm. I'm sorry, the kid I, has. I, I'm an not arm. gonna lie. Maybe I am a little bit biased when I talk about Anthony Richardson because he's such a great person. You feel me? Like I don't know if you saw the yeah. story, but they had like a team meeting early in the morning, and you know the janitors came, started cleaning stuff up, and Anthony Richardson is there helping helping clean up the garbage, and the janitors like, no, no, like you don't got, it. and he's like, no, it's fine, like it's not fair for y'all to have to clean up all this mess that we left you feel me like it's being that's just being more, humble yeah like i think it's more to being a quarterback than strictly x's and O's. like you're looking for guys who have the intangibles guys who have leadership qualities and i think anthony yeah. richardson his energy is infectious when you're around anthony richardson and you hear him talk on the podium or you're just around him on a day-to-day -day basis you want this man to succeed. You feel me? And I feel like the teammates that he has have already kind of galvanized around him. You feel me? So it's like, you know Anthony Richardson is going to put in the work. He's going to be dedicated. When you look at the quarterbacks who don't work out, it's the ones that you question their preparation. You question yeah. how prepared they are. You question their ability to get along with others, i.e. Kyler Murray. You know, Kyler Murray has all the talent in the world, but... 
we have concerns about his leadership ability and we have mm-hmm. concerns about his commitment to the game. And when you look at quarterbacks that have the most success, it's not always the quarterbacks who are the most physically gifted. It's the quarterbacks who right. put in the time and the ones that are dedicated. Exactly. And I, I just feel like people, they get to the NFL and they feel like they just made it. No, your hard work starts all over again to earn every dime or that you're, you're going to be in the league. Because if not, I mean... If you look at Johnny Manziel, if y'all did not see the untold documentary on on Netflix, it tells you right then and there. It can be taken away from you in a heartbeat if you if you don't put the work in. You don't want to go to practice. You you just feel like you made it and you got all this money and you feel like you you that dude. And before you know it, three months later, you have to leave. So you you gotta you gotta take it as it is. And I think Anthony Richardson is not taking this opportunity for granted he's definitely not everyone make sure that you guys check out the jt sports podcast you can find us on all podcasting platforms apple google spotify amazon wherever you get your podcast from you can find the jt sports podcast and shout out to our guy dorian for coming on once again make sure that you guys check out the d hopkins show you can find him on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, Friday throughout the week. We're going to have the link to his Twitch and his social media platforms down in the comment section down below. And before we let you go, let the people know what you got planned with the NFL season just around the corner. Uh, well, you know, I got my Nothing But Raiders podcast as well on YouTube that I do every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So all my Raiders content will be on there at Nothing But Raiders podcast on YouTube. Um, during the NFL season, I'll be doing play-by-plays and reactions of Monday nights, Thursday nights, and Sunday night football. Um, working on a fantasy league for the Darian Hopkins show. And it, it's just some other stuff that's coming down that I didn't officially do just yet. Um, I don't want to put the news out there just yet. I want to make sure everything is good in the kinks, but um, nothing but Raiders podcast will be going to all audio platforms once the season starts. So when we do the recaps and the live streams and reaction Mondays and stuff of that nature, fan call-in shows, that's going to happen for nothing but Raiders podcast. Uh, for the Darian Hopkins, uh, thank you, YouTube, for doing what you're doing. So I will be over on Twitch. Um, so make sure y'all check me out on Twitch and um, all social media platforms at D Hopkins Show. Um, same thing for Apple, um, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, all at Darian Hopkins Sports Show. Uh, I think it's about 50 episodes on there already. So make sure y'all check that out. Everybody, this is our guy, Dorian. Make sure you guys check him out. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast.